Well, hello everybody and welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Hey, just before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know about something we've got coming up in February, February the 15th, called Limitless One. Seven locations, one event, one limitless family. That's right, in seven locations at the same time on the 15th of February, we're going to be gathering together with young people in, in Scotland, we'll be meeting in Paisley, in Wales, in Cardiff, in the northeast of England, in Leeds, in the northwest of England, in Chorley, in the Midlands, Hales Owen, in the southeast, Ilford, and in the southwest in Exeter. And we'd love to invite you to come along with your young people. So check out limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash one. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the 15th of February. But for now, let's get in to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Well, I'm excited to be here with you today because I have a very special guest on the podcast, Joel Preston. Joel, welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. No, thanks for having me on. Really, really good to have you. And, and, and I think this is going to be a really helpful episode for, for people listening because we're going to be discussing leading a volunteer team. So many of our listeners will be volunteers themselves and will and we'll have a, a volunteer team around them. Some of them will be either part-time or full-time employed, but still will be leading a team of volunteers. So this is really important stuff for, for all of our listeners. But before we get to that, Joel, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and, and tell us a little bit about your journey in youth ministry. How did you get into it and what shape has it taken for you since that time yeah yeah great so so yeah hello I'm Joel um it's married to Emily I've been married for 10 years we've got a little boy called Nathan who's nearly three he's very much in the no kind of stage of life yeah, 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 no. I feel that I feel that <laughs> I'm like three year old too yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah so uh we've been in Bristol um, here for uh, I think it's eight years um so kind of came here for a youth work job um I, I kind of fell into youth work really didn't um necessarily intend to do it at 18 I was all set to go to uni but basically Jesus said otherwise and so I ended up doing a 12-month uh, gap year with Youth for Christ um, at a local centre in Nuneaton um, that gap year turned into another year turned into another year and just uh, it was there God broke my heart for young people to see them get to know him better um, to see wholeness brought to teenagers um, so yeah I was in Nuneaton for four years and then from there um, got the job at my home church actually where I kind of became a Christian um, as youth worker there which was brilliant uh, in, in Shrewsbury uh, absolutely loved it but very surreal because I kind of ended up leading the people who led me to Jesus wow. um, so it was wow. it was a real privilege but also very strange and surreal I made a lot of mistakes learned a lot there um, but then after a few years kind of the, the funding dried up it was around the time of recession and so got made redundant from that role um, and that was a difficult time, but kind of that's when God kind of pointed me towards towards Bristol and a job in uh, St. Michael's Church in Stoke Gifford and was there as youth worker, youth minister there for uh, for seven years. Um, and again, really, really loved that. Um, and again, lots of challenges along the way. But um, along that like that time in, in Bristol, God really opened my eyes as to what leadership could possibly be um, and started to get my head around it a bit more and really had a desire to grow and, and learn as a leader um, and kind of from there had opportunities to lead something called the Bristol Youth Work Forum um, which is a bunch of youth workers coming together a few times a year um, lead a team that deliver a youth event in Bristol called The Mix um, it's a worship event for 11 to 18 year olds um, and from there kind of went on to join the national leadership team of Youth for Christ um, and uh, had a fantastic time there too. So now though, I've uh, recently started as a job uh, um, at the George Muller Charitable Trust in Bristol, um, and I'm only three weeks into it, so I'm still kind of getting my head around it all, but um, again, lots of lessons of leadership to be learning from the transition into this, this new role too. 
So good. So, so, so John, many years in youth ministry, is it, is it 11 years? So I guess four, 14 years 14 in all. Yeah, years 11 in, would be in, in, kind of church-based. Which is yeah. fantastic. Um, tell me, what is it that you love about youth ministry? What is it that you love about working with young people? What is it that, that really brings you to life in that oh, yeah. context? Yeah, great question. Um, I think for me, it's just seeing young people have that, that kind of light bulb moment of, so good, wow, yeah. there is God, or, yeah. or, or that God loves me, or I'm made in the image of God, and kind of people responding to him. So just, you know, the, the kind of the events where we see young people really going for it in worship, like I'm there with the youth group ever at the back, like bawling my eyes out, kind of <laughs> yeah, just yeah, yeah. just seeing young people so passionate at saying, Jesus, you are you are there and I love you and I want to respond to you and and make a difference for you and glorify you. And it's just amazing, kind of those those moments where you see yeah, yeah I guess transformation really That's it. in the instances. It's, yeah. Yeah. So so cool. Yeah, and I I know we're here to talk about leading volunteer teams, but you know, there's just something there for me about longevity in mm. youth ministry. And I just long to see you know, more youth leaders like you who will stick at it for, you know, 11, 14, 20 years. Mm. Uh, what is it that you get from being in youth ministry for the long haul job that you can't get from just doing it a couple of few years? Mm. Oh, yeah, I think, I think it's uh, perspective helps. Yeah. I think it brings a kind of a good, good level of perspective and kind of a long-term element there. Um, I think... I mean, coming at it from the the view of young people, where particularly nowadays, kind of this epidemic of loneliness and this desire for community, even if young people may not be able to articulate that themselves, being have one who, someone who is a a stable presence, a consistent presence in their in their lives, can be just really valuable. Someone who's there to support and love in the long term can be really, really something that just really make a difference I think and yeah. and that was a privilege being able to do that in, in uh, St Michael's for seven plus years was able to see you know from year seven for those guys yeah. kind of ended up going to uni yeah, being able good. to be present yeah, for them for their really formative years yeah that's good and, and, and you know I don't know about you Joe, but sometimes I I, I I kind of feel that the lack of experts in some ways in youth ministry because you can't become an expert in two years mm. you know you have to be doing something for a long time to gather some real expertise at it mm. so you know I, I, I want to see you know people who've been doing youth ministry for 30 or 40 years mm. who can come to me and say hey this is what I've learned from yeah. from my time you know and and, and those people sadly are, are few and far between aren't they mm. they are out there there are yeah, there are yeah. some of them who've who've been doing it you know right into adulthood and you mm. know um but i'd love to i'd love to see more of that anyway yeah. John, it's not even what, what we're here to talk about we're here <laughs> to talk about leading volunteer teams and i know that for i'm sure all of our listeners there has been a time it might even be that this is the time where they have reflected on this problem i don't have enough volunteers mm. in my youth ministry i don't have a big enough team to do what we're, we're going to do I need more people I need more people in, in my team mm. so my first question Joel is how do we go about uh, identifying leaders and, mm. and recruiting and building teams so mm. before we get to how we actually lead them how do we build them how do we gather leaders ar- ar- around us how yeah. do we do that yeah that's brilliant um, so it, you know what it's, it might be a stereotypical answer but it's one that really does work it's, it's prayer it's starting with prayer it's, it's kind of identifying as well kind of what is that that passion that God has given you or maybe that God is calling your church or your youth ministry towards 
and, and praying into that and saying, God, would you bring the right people on board and onto the team to make this happen? Um, and even being bold in that prayer of saying, uh, even if it's people whom I might not necessarily click with or understand, but would you would you bring the right people on and who have the right character and skills so that your name will be glorified and kind of we can see we can see fruit and, and what yeah. have you. And um, so that's a really key thing. I think practically the next tip really is identify who your who your pool is if you were you know, using a fishing metaphor where would you be fishing for volunteers if yeah. we're based in a church I mean our congregations are just a natural kind of opportunity there to be connecting with people I think the temptation is as we're youth workers particularly if we're employed youth workers we can think I'm I've got to be here for the young people I need to be you know if it's on a Sunday service I need to be there doing the youth work all the time and then when the service is over I've got to be hanging out with young people I think sometimes we can do that even though it might be more out of a place of insecurity because we like hanging out with teenagers and we're a bit nervous about chatting to the grown-ups, so to speak. Um, so if we can really kind of get out of that mindset and spend some time building connections with the wider church, our wider congregations, yeah, so that you can, be, yeah. you can be communicating vision, you can be building relationship, building trust. Yeah. Um, it's just really, really key. Yeah. So then it won't be a surprise or, or, or what have you when people come and, yeah. uh, or you go to people and say, we need help. Because actually there's a bit of groundwork, yeah. I guess, there. Yeah. Um, yeah, already put in place. Yeah. You know, one thing I find, I don't know if, if, if this is something you found in terms of building teams and recruiting volunteers, is you have to undo, so thinking about your congregation, hmm. you have to undo what I perceive to be a misunderstanding about what a youth worker is because mm. if you go, get up the front of your church and say hey you know we, we would love for folks to come and be part mm. of our volunteer team and you try and envision people you give them the why and all of that kind of stuff yeah um, well in people's minds they go oh well, no that's not me because because I'm not a youth worker because mm. I'm 50 years old yeah uh, and okay. I don't wear triple denim <laughs> <laughs> yeah and people have this idea in their minds a little bit mm. I guess like when you talk to some people about church who aren't Christians and, and it brings an image to their mind of what church is and a lot mm. of what we're trying to do is actually undo that mm. image I think we have to do that as youth workers as well we have to be able to say um, hey whatever age you are you know I, I, and, I, and I love trying to envision people hey you know what young people need they don't necessarily just need the young kind of mm. hip cool and trendy youth leader they need a father Mm. They need a mother. They need a spiritual grandparent. Yeah. Uh, and I think if we can kind of unpick some of the misunderstanding about what a youth worker is, mm. I think we open up the possibility to people who would never have perceived themselves mm. as being able to participate in our youth yeah. teams. It's not that they wouldn't necessarily want to, it's that they, they just thought, oh, well, that's not for me. Yeah. And so I think if we can get under that, and unpick some of that well then we widen the pool to, yeah. to kind of use yeah, your language yeah. is that something you find? yeah yeah definitely totally I've, personally I, I found I really gained an, a valuable I guess you could say tool when I kind of started to get a bit older as a youth worker yeah. when I started to really not care who the latest artists were or anything like yeah. that because I could go to young people and say what are you listening to? What is that? Or you yeah. know, what, what's this game you're playing at youth club or whatever it might be? And like, if I did that in the right way with you know humility and love and care, people always respond really well to that. And so it gives me an opportunity to engage. And so being able to kind of give that as a as a tool to people who may not feel they are particularly relevant to kind of youth culture, um, giving them the opportunity to ask those questions, um, as long as they are loving young people, that's what teenagers respond to as we know yeah. Um, yeah and you say kind of about you know getting up the front and kind of casting vision which is so important yeah but my personal experience 
is from doing church work is that I never really got volunteers that way from yeah. getting up the front of church and saying, this is where we're going, this is the youth club, this is what it's like, or this is our youth ministry, and we need help, who can, who can come? Yeah. I, I never really got people saying, yes, that's me. I did that still because it was important to, to cast the vision. Yeah. What worked for me was going and tapping shoulders. Yeah, that's right. What yeah. worked for me was going and saying, hey, um, we, we have this need in our youth club. We need someone to coordinate the tuck shop. We had a role within that. Rather than saying, yeah. just come and help us on a, on a Thursday night, we said, yeah. I need someone to coordinate the tuck shop. I need someone who's organised. I need someone who's good with money. I need someone who would be able to kind of, you know, just have a conversation with the kids as they sell some sweets. And from what I know of you, I think you do a really good job of that. And as you say that to people, as you have that kind of conversation with people, they're built up, they're encouraged. Even yeah. if they come back and say, I'm sorry, I don't think I can do it. Yeah. No one's going to be saying, I really am really angry at you that you asked me to be yeah. involved with this, this, this team or whatever. So I think if we can be recruiting for roles, if we can be tapping shoulders and saying, yeah, I'd like you on my team. We're going to see a lot kind of higher success rate of of people saying yes. Yeah, Joe. You know what? What I liked about what you said there is is you you, you said this phrase. You said, "From what I know of you." Mm. Uh, so my question is, when when you are okay, so you're recruiting volunteers, but when you're deploying volunteers, how much care do you give to um, the uh, the the gifting uh, of that individual when deploying them? to a role Hmm. so I guess one way that we can do it is we go well I've got this need in the team this need in the team this need in the team I need somebody to run the games I need somebody Hmm. to oversee the tuck shop I need somebody to manage the registration Um, so I'll go out and get people the the other way to to do it is to go this person is uh, really good pastorally Hmm. so I want to put them in in the discussion groups yeah this person's really good at administration so i want to ask them to oversee our registration process mm. uh, w- which approach have you taken or is it a mixture of the two and what mm. are the what are the pros and cons of of, of deploying volunteers mm. in those different ways that's good yeah i think it really depends on the context so i've done i've done both in my time so i um uh, for me, kind of like I say, with the youth club where we had quite a formal structure, um, there were roles that needed to be filled. I need to go out and look for the right people who could meet those those roles. What we did when trying to connect with our local school, with it being during the daytime, that that massively reduces the kind of the pool of volunteers we can go to because yeah. a lot of people at work, as we know. And so we had uh, had a small team of a few people, uh, and instead of kind of just coming up with a plan and recruiting for for that. What we did, we went to the school and said, can we help you? Can we serve? Um, and they said, yes, we, we could look like we lunch clubs. We need lunch clubs is what they said. Um, so we worked out who the people on the team were. We discussed what our strengths were and what our pa- passions were and even some of our geeky, nerdy qualities as well. And we kind of formed lunch clubs out of those, um, like guitar club and, and a board game club and things like that. Wow. And so I guess it depends on the context, but... If you've got the right people on board already with the right character, um, you can kind of yet yeah, adapt the situation to what they can offer. Um, but I guess it really just depends on the context and what you're trying to achieve so, in the so long term. You, you said the right character. Mm. How, how important is that for you when you're recruiting volunteers? Because I guess, I guess here's the thing, right, is that we, we're, we're in such desperate need of volunteers it's like we just take anyone. Mm. Just please. So it's just like bodies on the ground, you know, hands <laughs> yeah. to the plough. How is it important though to get the right person with the right character, you know, and, yeah. and their relationship with God and their integrity and their passion and all of that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah. How, how high do you set that bar? Or is it like, do you set that 
bar at a different level depending on what role you're asking them to fulfill how, how, how do you do that yeah that's, that's good but the, I mean it's vital character is vital because you might be able to run a kind of a youth ministry on, on skills and kind of maybe charisma and personality of people but actually when things might go wrong nine times out of ten it's probably because of character and so so I guess it yeah it does depend on what on what we're doing and, the, and kind of the roles fulfilling. But I guess if it's particularly if it's people who are we are looking to spiritually influence other young people, um, or kind of have some kind of discipleship or pastoral oversight. Um, if someone who's saying you know what we've got to be following Jesus and then you know they look on Instagram and they're not really seeing that lived out or whatever, mm. it's going to cause more damage not just in the short term but in the long term. So I've actually been in situations where I've come into youth ministry uh, areas. Um, and I, there's been some questionable uh, character in some people, and I've actually shut things down because you could just see cracks wow. starting to form, um, yeah, around, yeah, around potential kind of bad things happening. I yeah. guess. Um, so, so yeah. So for me, it's it's really really key yeah. because things could just go really wrong, and um, and therefore it's looking for the people with the right character. Yeah, but Joe, help me out here. I, mm. Like this is now personal counselling time and everybody else is just listening in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what about with our young leaders? Mm. Because um, uh, I've got the experience where we're, we're, we've got some great young people and we're wanting to entrust them with some opportunity. Mm. And actually we know that by bringing them in to the, I guess, the inner circle of the team, that's going to help them in the discipleship as well because mm. they're rubbing shoulders with those of us on the team who are maybe a little bit further along the, the journey with our relationship mm. with Jesus. And so there they are. They're wearing their team T-shirts and their team lanyards and they're, mm. they're serving on team and they're hosting or they're running games or whatever. But what you said, this is what triggered my thought. You look at their Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this isn't necessarily yeah. what we would expect of, certainly if someone, you know, like me on mm. the team or our more kind of senior leaders. So, so is that then a disqualification from being on the team or is there like a uh, is there like a lower bar for junior leaders or young leaders who are trying to raise up and actually does it give us the opportunity to address that and say mm. because you're on the team you need to be thinking about what's going out on your social channels mm. H- how does that work with particularly with young people who were seeking to bring up and bring through into leadership positions yeah, yeah that's great um I think oh, I'm going to be frustrating because again it depends on the context I think yeah. but I think um, it does provide an, an opportunity for young leaders to step up and I think there are kind of certain degrees of, of levels of leadership in that sense of kind of giving people some responsibility for kind of practical organising things great but if we are in, if we are encouraging our, our young people to step into positions where they are where they may have some kind of discipleship authority or spiritual pastoral influence um, then it, it provides an opportunity just to kind of raise their vision a little bit and, and not to kind of just take them to a focus on, on a level up to leadership, but a focus to level up on, on Jesus yeah. and kind of saying, Jesus, this is what is calling you and, and let's, let's really kind of press into what God might be calling us to be in who we are. And I think it provides an opportunity, a, a leadership learning opportunity for young leaders to focus on character. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, so it, it, it has to do also with the role that they're taking on the team, right? So mm. that's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah. So if you know, it's one thing if we're asking them to oversee the tuck shop. It's another mm. thing if we're asking them to 
preach or yes or, 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 or yeah, okay yeah. i hear you i hear you. Yeah. that's helpful that's helpful okay so we've identified leaders we've been tapping people on the shoulder we've been mm. asking them to fulfill specific roles mm. uh, we've been envision envisioning them around <laughs> the, the the youth ministry and what we're there to to do um and now we've got a volunteer team mm. um how do you lead that team when they're there what are the keys to making sure that you're all on the same page you're all shooting mm. for the same target that there's a good chemistry that there's a good uh kind of uh relationship within the team a vibrancy a, a spiritual vitality within the yeah. team uh, that it's an, a, an effective team that it that it accomplishes what it's there to, to accomplish what, what are some yeah. what are some tips and tricks that you would give oh, us mate, to to leading that team well i mean is this like a 20-part podcast yeah. <laughs> i could go on to this for a long time but um i guess key things that will make i think most of an impact and are things that i've experienced of the work well in the past um so, so every night I got a bit of a reputation for just repeating the same old phrases, but particularly when it came to our vision and what we were trying to achieve. So if, some, if we've got a, a volunteer who's working nine to five, really hard job, and then probably giving a little bit more to their work as well, they've rushed home from work, like wolfed down their tea, put the kids to bed and then run out to come and help me with a youth Bible study or whatever. Um, I can completely understand why some people would not necessarily be in the right mindset for why am I here tonight. And so at the beginning of every night, just before we pray, I would say, guys, just a reminder why we're here. We're here to see young people's lives changed or we're here to serve and love. So let's kind of pray into that now. And just every single night kind of sharing what the point is that you, like these people have come out to, to work with you, to be part of your team every single time, I think can be really, really valuable and kind of pe- set people in the right direction and the right kind of kind of focus um, with that. Yeah, so I think that's so good and it's so important. I don't want our listeners to miss that. We've 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 got to keep the the why front and centre, mm. haven't we? Because sometimes it sometimes it can feel a bit monotonous. Mm. Sometimes it can feel like we're repeating ourselves, you know, week after week. And especially like you know, in the example you gave, you know, people have rushed home from work and you know mm. they're, they're tired and. Mm. You know, it's so important, isn't it, just to keep that that why the purpose of why we're here, the the mission of the team front and center, because mm. it uh, it keeps people going, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm here yeah. because I'm making an impact in somebody's life, not yeah. not just because I'm filling a seat, not just, you know, not just because I'm setting out chairs or whatever it is. I'm mm. here because I'm making an impact in somebody's life, and like. Like I love what you said about repeating that stuff. You have got to repeat this stuff to your blue in the face. Oh, totally. You can over you can overstate the mission. You can overstate the vision. You have to keep bringing it back, mm. bringing it back week after week, week after week, keeping yeah, it right. Indeed, at the, the front and center of people's minds. It does feel like you're over repeating it, but you're totally right. You can't over repeat it because yeah. people need to hear it. And sometimes people may kind of I don't know roll their eyes even sometimes yeah. to kind of hear you say it again. but I, just so I think important. that's when you know you're doing it enough yes I think yes, when it becomes a joke like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah or people start saying it along with you I think that's I don't think you've done it enough until you start getting that yeah I, I'm always encouraged when I get yeah, when that's I get good. that yeah. that's good yeah great yeah okay what else what else you got why are there tints and uh, Tints? I don't tints. know. Tints. We're not at a hair salon getting highlights. <laughs> yeah. Tips and um, tricks have you got for not the person the to be speaking about yeah. that? Um, <laughs> I think another thing as well, so kind of what do you want your team to be like? How do you want them to behave whilst you are ministering, whilst you are serving, whilst you are running your youth activities? And what are you doing to encourage the right kind of behaviours? So I remember a long time ago, kind of when I was fairly new to youth work, sitting in a bit of a youth leaders forum type thing. And there was one youth leader who shared, you know, we've been working on our values as a a youth team. And I remember thinking to myself, why? 
What's the point? Just get out there and do youth work. Get out there and love people. But as I kind of journey in, in leadership and youth work more and more, I just see how vital understanding what our values are is so key and how we want to behave as we pursue vision, as we serve young people. And so therefore, are you clear on what your values are? Are maybe your team clear on what they should be? Yeah. And then also, what are you doing to encourage it? When you see those little moments where, I don't know, a, a, a leader has appropriately prayed with a young person or whatever, can you just kind of make a, I was going to say make an example of them, that's not entirely accurate what I mean, but just kind of highlight, you did a great job then, I'd love to see more of that and kind of encouraging that side of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, can really, just those little moments, it only takes two seconds, but it can really help steer the ship mm. in terms of where you want your, your team yeah. and ministry and, and vision to go. Yeah, so I, I, I could not agree with you more on that. Like, um, we've been through a process a couple of years ago now of, well, I actually, I actually describe it as discovering our, our values as numbers. And I could not overstate how important and helpful that's been. Mm. Uh, because every time we meet together as a leadership team now, our conversation um, is hooked on those mm. uh, values and our decision-making is hooked on those values. And, um, you know, even week to week with my staff team, uh, uh, you know, our planning of our events or the decisions we make about when, when we meet together or how we pray or, mm. um, you know, it's hooked on our values. So, so, for example, a little example of this just recently with our staff team, um, one of our values uh, at Limitless is family is our heart. So as a staff right. team, we, did, we, we for a while, we've been going out once a month, uh, like first Monday of the month for breakfast together as a team. Well, more recently we decided, hey, you know what we should do is we should do that in people's homes. Why? Right. Should, why? why? Because family is our heart. Amazing. And it was the values that steered that decision making. Mm. So I think coming to a clarity around your values as, as a youth ministry and the values that you hold together as a team, so mm. important, so important. And, and, and I think I'd add to that as well codify this stuff get it down in writing mm. so so in our youth group uh, at limitless malvern uh, our our leader uh, the youth pastor there karen at the start of this year she prepared a team handbook for everyone and this team handbook had values it had expected behaviors so um you, you know simple stuff like we all arrive on time uh, you, you know, just simple stuff like that. But stated, clear stated values, clear state, clearly stated expectations for everybody on the team. And as a team, we were required to read that, uh, to sign it and return it if we wanted to be on the team. Mm. And I just think stuff like that, you know, for, maybe for some listeners it seems over the top. But, but, but what it enables you to do is to hold people to account for a, cl- a, a, a clear standard that, you, that, mm. you've, that you've set um, and to confront behaviors that subvert the culture you're seeking to create within the team so mm-hmm. i'd really encourage all of our listeners who, who are leaders of youth ministries write a team handbook put clear mm-hmm. values expected behaviors um in that i think that would be really helpful for people which which actually brings me on to another question for you joel when you've done that when you've set your values and you talked about behaviors like this is who we're going to be as a team how do you manage it, Joel, when you get somebody in the team who is, who is um, subverting that culture or, or who is <laughs> yeah. bringing challenging behaviours? Maybe you've yeah. got somebody who's chronically late or maybe you've got somebody who they're speaking about team, other team members behind their backs or mm. they're, they're, they're bringing, they're bringing behaviours into the team which are you know, kind of yeast of the Pharisee stuff. It's just starting mm. to sow a little bit of negativity maybe in, 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 into the team. How do you go about engaging mm. that what 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 what's your what's your plan what's your strategy for that what what can we learn from yeah. you from that yeah. yeah yeah that's a really really tough situation actually because we can have that mindset of 
you know, these guys are here giving their own time, therefore I don't really know if I should be bringing challenge or I should be bringing conflict. Um, I think I would encourage it. I'd encourage loving challenge and loving conflict um, because it's so important that we keep those values. For those people who are, who are responding and, I guess, behaving in the way that we would hope, it's really important for them to see that that means something and that's valued. So I think, so I think uh, going in and having a conversation privately with an individual, um, if there's kind of, like, you know, repeat offences or something like that, if that's yeah. the, if the phrase to use, um, and just saying something along the lines of, well, well making sure you, you differentiate between character and behaviour. Okay, that's so, helpful. So, so what I mean by that is if, if there's someone who is, uh, you know, may have told a porcupine or something like that, I think there's a big difference between saying to someone, you have lied to me and you are a liar. That's massively different. Got it. And so, so kind of going and saying, you know, I, I think you might have lied to me or, you know, focusing on their behaviour rather than kind of accusing character can still help to the, uh, maintain relationship. So there's that. I think if things kind of repeat happening, it keeps going on and maybe they've got a bad attitude and that's kind of starting to kind of breathe throughout the team. I think, again, going to them in private and kind of having this conversation where you say... I'm getting this sense that you don't necessarily enjoy being on the team or I'm getting a sense that you are struggling with the vision or you're finding it hard to commit. Am I right in that? Am I wrong? Have I got the wrong end of the stick? Can you, can you tell me about that? And doing That's something really like good. that. So you're giving them an, an opportunity, mm. rather than going and making that accusation, you're mm. giving them an opportunity to explain what might be behind their behaviours. That's yeah. really good. That's yeah. really good stuff. Yeah, carry on. And then and that gives them, I guess, one of two options. They'll have two two things they could say. One response might be, um, oh, really, is that what I'm doing? I, I didn't really know. I'm so sorry that I'm coming across that way. And then you can work with them to kind of think through how can we kind of change behaviour a little bit because they'll, they'll want to stay part of the team. Or it might be that they'll be saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, I've been praying for a way out. This is a real answer to prayer kind of yeah. thing. And like, <laughs> no, that's not always nice to hear. But actually if it means kind of them stepping back from the behaviour and, and stepping away from the team that's being influenced in a negative way, then actually that's a win. Even if yeah. that might cause some other problems, you're still having a team that's yeah. kind of positive and motivated and, and moving forward. So kind of giving them that opportunity and almost putting the ball in their court to respond in one of those two ways, yeah, it's win-win really. Yeah. Not easy, but no. win-win. And uh, Have you ever had a situation, Joel, where you've actually asked somebody to step down mm. from, from a team and... and what, how do you know when you've got to that point when you've tried to offer opportunity for restoration mm. uh, and to make adjustments to behaviour and, it, and it's not happened and okay we've now reached a point where I need to ask you to step down from the team how, how do you know when you get to that point yeah it's hard it's hard I think um, so there's one one particular situation where oh it, it's basically the example you gave before kind of they were, their negativity was kind of going throughout the team yeah um, they were saying you know oh, I've been helping at this this youth club for seven years, kind of you get short of prison sentences, kind of like yeah. thing. That, it's just that really sly and subtle negativity. Um, and I, I did what I said. I kind of took him aside and kind of said, um, you know, I'm getting the sense that you don't really want to be involved in team. They said, I do want to still be involved in the team. And 
from there I said, okay, well, these are the standards I have. And if you've got your values written down in a handbook that you've rightly kind of suggested people should might be want to concentrate on to, to provide and produce, like if you've got your values written down, you can say, well, actually, you you signed up to this when you said you want to be part of the team, and I just need to, you know, need to increase your efforts in achieving this a bit more. What do you think that looks like for you? How can you do that? And then maybe you can put some thoughts across as well as to how that might be might be possible. What happened in this situation was, uh, kind of after talking about values and talking about kind of standards, it still didn't really get met. <laughs> it wasn't met. And so I went back to them and, and said, um, we've had a conversation. I politely said, we've, we've talked about, and you suggested to me ways you can prove, but I'm not really seeing it. Can I suggest we have a bit of a break for a bit? Can maybe just for this next term, you're not coming to youth club, and then let's have a conversation again in six weeks that's an interesting way to do it and and let's let's see how you're doing um and sometimes it might be the case that and this is what happened in this situation they decided actually i don't really want to be part of the team anymore after that period of time but have also had situations where we've moved them into different roles or maybe even different ministries so i think rather than just dumping people and saying you know go off on your own finding something that may be more suited to them that's very good could could really be beneficial and honoring to them as well that's very good that's that's really very good okay um one more question before we wrap this podcast up um and that is about how do we make our volunteers feel really valued Mm -hmm. because as you rightly pointed out you know for, for many of our team members this stuff is big sacrifice right it's mm. um you know nights away from the family it's you know uh coming late after work you know all this stuff so so how do we honor them well how do we make them feel we, we appreciate you we value you thank you for what you're doing thank you for your sacrifice what have been the things for you that have helped you to add, add value to your team mm. um literally just saying thank you i'm i'm consistently surprised how often I meet people who volunteer in ministries who don't get thanked literally just a verbal thing at the end of each night um can just go a long long way and kind of noticing hey I know that you know you've been away from family a lot to be able to help at this ministry I'm really grateful for that cards go a long way um and what have you um I think uh, something that we might not always instantly go to as a way of thanking people or as a way of honoring and valuing people is giving them responsibility yeah, and, and so kind of early in my youth work career, I kind of had this mindset of I'm the youth worker, I've got to do everything. And these guys are volunteering their own time. So you don't have to do anything volunteers. I'm going to do all the hard work for you. And actually what happened from that is I actually decreased my volunteer team. They, they didn't want to get involved anymore because they didn't have a role. They couldn't use their gifts. They couldn't use their skills. And so putting them in the right positions so that they are able to use their gifts in a way that does contribute because they're there. They want to do something can be a really honouring and way of showing that we, we value them. There's that. Um, and then I don't know, sometimes it depends on the context you're in as well, but something we used to do, we used to kind of put on volunteer thank you nights where we'd have a meal or um, sometimes instead of, you know, for the term, the very first session that would normally go to our first night back with the young people, we'd delay that a week and we'd, we'd go out for a curry or we'd have a meal around my house or whatever it uh, might see, be. I really like that job because sometimes we go... What we do when we want to like do like a thank you thing for volunteers is we put in an extra night, mm. and actually they'd really rather not be there because they'd rather be at home with their, <laughs> their families or whatever, or because yeah. it's another night out, right? Yeah. So I like that's a really nice idea about just delaying to start back one week or maybe mm. finishing one week early. Yeah. So it's the same night they'd normally be out anyway. We're not asking them to do an extra night. Yeah. Um, and we use that to yeah, as you say, have a curry or a, yeah. a pie or whatever Indeed. it is. That's good there. Indeed. So carry on. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
something I got some good feedback on as well that I didn't think it was an amazing thing, but it was really valued, was just to send a quick text to my volunteers individually saying, hey, really grateful for you, praying for you today. Is there anything specific I can be praying for you? I'm really grateful for the way you do this or I like this. Um, And like that took me, what, 30 seconds per volunteer whenever I do it. But I wouldn't do it like straight after a club. I wouldn't do it in advance of something. It would just be because I valued them and because I was grateful for them and because I wanted to pray for them. Um, and I've, yeah, apparently that is a good thing. And I, I personally, I like receiving stuff like that. So maybe just taking, even now, you know, as you finish this podcast, maybe just think of a volunteer you're really grateful for and, and send them a quick text saying, I'm so grateful that you're like this. Thank you for being part of our team. And yeah. can really go along with And what a great way to finish. I mean, that there's something so much more powerful about specific personal encouragement mm. than general thank yous isn't there like yeah. th- you know thank you Joel for being on this team and and because what I love about you being on this team is that you do this really well mm. that's so much more personal and encouraging than a than a than a general and it's not that we shouldn't do general thank yous we, <laughs> we should but I love that idea of just taking a text and I think you're right Joel why you know for, for those of you guys listening you're probably listening on your phone to this podcast so why not just pull that Pull, pull that phone out, open your messenger app and uh, send send somebody a message, uh, a, a, an iMessage or a WhatsApp or a messenger or whatever, uh, and let them know that you're grateful for them. Uh, Joel, this has been really, really insightful. And before we, before we finish, let me just point you in, in the direction of four conversations that will take some of these thoughts that we've been discussing today further. Uh, they're all on our YouTube channel. We've got a series that we've produced in partnership with Premier Youth and Children's Work magazine called Leadership 101. There is an episode on there about how to lead a volunteer team. There are two episodes about giving and receiving feedback. And there's one about conflict as well, engaging in healthy conflict called Shoot the Elephant. So, shoot the elephant. so if you go to uh, youtube.com forward slash limitless elim you'll find a leadership 101 playlist there if you want to take any of those things further for now joel thank you so much thank you tim good to be here. real just great wisdom so much gold in there really really appreciate it and thank you for listening to the limitless leadership podcast but much more than that thank you for everything that you are doing to invest in young people where you are you know i cannot think of anything more important that you could give your life to than passing on the gospel to to the next generation. So please keep going. Don't give up. You are doing an amazing thing and an important thing. Thank you so much. God bless and goodbye. Wait, don't turn off the podcast yet. I've got to tell you about Limitless One. Seven locations, one event, one Limitless family. And you are invited. It's on the 15th of February. It's just £5 a ticket. And remember, it is in seven locations. So it's not too far for you to go. So get your young people together and come along and hang out with us. We would just love to see you there. All the info and all of the venues and bookings are on limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash one. And you can find all the info on our social channels at Limitless Elim on Snapchat, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And finally, if you've enjoyed the content today and you think it would help another youth leader, then please do take a moment to share it via your social channels or rate and review it on your podcast provider. And we'll see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Bye.